0: We might hear your message, that it might change us from the inside out. Lord, I just pray right now that you would help us to see you, not to see a style of ministry, not to see uh, any of the externals, but to see you and your holiness and your glory and your everything. Fix our hearts upon you, Lord. God, I pray that as we open up the Scriptures, that we would claim the promise that you, your Spirit, will guide us into all truth. And so may we understand what we read, what we study. May we be obedient to it for your glory. God, we ask you to be with the teachers and the children across the street in our Awana program, that you would just work there mightily if there's anyone in any of our services tonight that are not saved, we ask you, Lord, that your conviction fall upon them, and we ask you, Holy Spirit of God, that they would turn to you in faith, believing in you and what you did on the cross of Calvary for us, and that they might be saved. Lord, I ask you for your help. As always, I need you desperately. In Jesus' name we pray, and amen. Isaiah 56. We just uh, studied last week in uh, uh, 55. Isaiah 55. That his thoughts and his ways are so much higher than ours. That is important that we keep that in mind because the Jewish people <clears throat> had an, a a surf a self internalizing problem. In other words, they wanted to focus all their efforts on them being the Jewish people, God's people, their land. Everyone else was subservient to them. And even if you go over there today, there's still a tin a twinge of that. In the um Judaism, there's a twinge of that. They uh they have no no use for Christianity. Honestly, they don't. Unless they're a messianic Jew. And so they always thought that they were if I could use this for lack of better words, I would say. They always thought they were better than everyone else because they were Jews. Now, we still love them and we still stand behind them because God has given a promise in Scripture that He will bless those who stand with them, who bless them. He will curse those who curse them. But at any rate, the concept to the Jewish mind that God would allow Gentiles to be part of His family, to the Jewish mind, that was blasphemy they would not even want to think that as a matter of fact they call gentile's dogs in the scripture and so they they're not pro gentile at all and so we come to the text tonight and i want you to keep that in mind because god is going to speak to isaiah to tell the people of israel that he is going he is going to make a way for even the outcasts of israel the Gentiles, to come to him and be part of his family. And uh, that's not a very popular thing for Isaiah to tell them, but however he does anyways. Let's look at verse number 1. Thus says the Lord, Keep justice and do righteousness, for my salvation is about to come, and my righteousness to be revealed. Blessed is the man who does this and the son of man who lays hold on it who keeps from defiling the sabbath and keeps his hand from doing any evil now it's important that i establish something right from the get-go to understand this i believe that he is speaking about what's going to happen in the millennial kingdom now why do i say that well i want to show you Real quickly, three, three reasons why I believe he's talking about the Millennial Kingdom. Number one, number one, he says, keep justice and do righteousness. You and I know from the time that Israel came into existence until Christ comes back on this earth, no man, no man can do justice and do righteousness. As a matter of fact, the Bible says all of our righteousness is as filthy rags. So what he is saying is, he is telling us that man's inability to do righteousness. Now, however, during the millennial kingdom, we will have that ability to do righteousness. Why? Because you and I, as believers, will come back with him at the second coming of Christ. We will have a glorified body. We will have. There will not be two natures in this body. You will not have the struggle that you have now between flesh and the Spirit. You will not. You will have a glorified body. Secondly, the Sabbath day is reinstated. He says, who keeps from defiling the Sabbath. Now, the Sabbath was part of the Old Testament economy, part of the Old Testament um, dispensation. We are not instructed in the New Testament to keep the Sabbath. It always used to go through me when someone would pray, thank you for this Sabbath day. It's not the Sabbath day. Sabbath, Friday evening, 6 o'clock, Saturday, 6 o'clock. It's not. It's not at all on Sunday. As a matter of fact, there is no Sabbath day commands in the New Testament. If you will, look at Colossians 2.16, please. I think he might have it up on the screen for me. Uh, But Colossians 2.16, this is very important because um, there's a local fellow I know, and I'm not going to mention his name, but he's real high on this right now, and he's blasting everybody uh, about the Sabbath, and he blasted us because we didn't have service on Christmas Day. We had it on Christmas Eve instead of Christmas Day, and it was a Sabbath, and we're breaking the Sabbath principle. But it's interesting, if you read the Scripture in Colossians chapter 2, verse 16, So let no one judge you in food, or in drink, or regarding a festival, or a new moon, or Sabbaths. So the second reason, I believe, that he is talking about during the Millennial Kingdom is during the Millennial Kingdom, the Sabbath will be reinstated for those Jewish people. Uh, you say, does, does, does the Bible teach that? Yes, and we'll get into that a little later. I'll show you because we're going to deal with that specifically when we get to it. But that's another reason. And then lastly, the third reason, Messiah is about to come. When he says salvation is about to come, he's not talking about the physical act of salvation, of them being delivered. He's talking about the Messiah, the one who is Our salvation and the salvation of the whole world. So he is talking about his physical coming. And when he comes at the second coming, he sets up his millennial kingdom. So now we're talking about the millennial kingdom. Now watch this. Notice what he says. There is a call to righteousness, A call to righteousness, verses 1 and 2. Thus says the Lord, keep justice and do righteousness, for my salvation is about to come and my righteousness to be revealed. Blessed is the man who does this and the Son of Man who lays hold on it, who keeps from defiling the Sabbath and keeps his hand from doing any evil. We're talking about Jesus' kingdom. Jesus' kingdom will be characterized, number one, as a kingdom of justice. There will be no injustice in the kingdom of of the Lord Jesus Christ, the millennial kingdom that is a physical kingdom upon this earth. Now, I have some friends, I use that term loosely, but we're acquaintances, we're friends, we have uh, conversations from time to time, and they, are, they believe in that they don't believe in the millennial kingdom as an actual kingdom, it's a kingdom in our hearts where Christ is ruling in our hearts, and it's not, they are what I call replacement or covenant. Theologians, they do not believe in dispensations. They believe that all, there's no tribulation period. They're actually going through a tribulation period right now. And the, the kingdom is Christ's rule in our hearts. And they believe that, interpret that. And <clears throat> I don't have time to go all into that. But this is, as I understand Scriptures, this is a literal kingdom. And His kingdom, where Christ rules and reigns on the earth for 1,000 years... It will be characterized by justice. There will be no injustice. Now let me ask you a question. Has there ever been a period of time in our existence, the earth's existence, where justice has reigned? No. Do you know there are prisons where there are innocent people in prison? Sure. They didn't get justice. There's never been a time in history where there's been complete justice because If there's going to be complete justice, you have to have a just judge, and he's not come yet. So it'll be characterized by a kingdom of justice. Number two, it'll be a kingdom of righteousness. There'll be no unrighteousness in the kingdom. There will be no unrighteousness in the kingdom. Let me just say it this way. You won't be able to sin. Why? Because you'll have a glorified body. You will not be able to sin. You won't even want to sin. You won't even want to have the desire. You will not have, be tempted by the flesh because you will have that glorified body. It will be a kingdom of righteousness. There will be no unrighteousness in his kingdom. Number three, it will be a kingdom of blessing. Notice he says this, blessed is the man who does this. Now, wouldn't that be terrible to think that God would say blessed is the man who does this knowing that we can't do it? But in the kingdom, we will. In the kingdom, we will. As a matter of fact, I believe that we will be such committed or so committed to Christ that everything that we do will be about His glory and uh, the blessing will be glorifying Him. And it will be a kingdom where the practices of the Sabbath will be reinstituted for the Jewish people. Remember we went through the book of Ezekiel? We studied verse by verse through the book of Ezekiel. There will be another temple. This is another big sticking point that the, 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 um, the uh, replacement theology guys don't believe. See, they believe that the church has replaced Israel. We as dispensationalists believe, no, Israel's still a thing. We're, we're the church, and uh, we're, not, we're not both. And <clears throat> we're not replacing them. But in Ezekiel, he teaches that there will be a temple and they will reinstitute sacrifices and the Sabbath will be observed. And some people say, well, why would that happen? Well, just like you and I partake of the Lord's Supper and you and I have, we practice baptism, water baptism, the Jews will honor the Lord by sacrifices and the Sabbath. Um, Isaiah, if you just turn over to Isaiah chapter 66, the last the last uh, chapter of Isaiah, verse 23, and notice it says, And it shall come to pass that from one new moon to another, from one Sabbath to another, all flesh shall come to worship before me, says the Lord. Has that happened? No. So it has to be a, a future event. And the Sabbath will be reinstated during the Millennial Kingdom. So, uh, we could go to Ezekiel if you want to write it down for reference, Ezekiel one. Do you have it up there? I don't know if I can read that far. Do you have it on there? Uh, Thus says the Lord God, the gateway of the inner court that faces toward the east shall be shut the six working days, but on the Sabbath it shall be opened, and on the day of the new moon it shall be opened. That will be in the Millennial Kingdom as Ezekiel is showing us the temple. So there is a call to righteousness. Now, what do we get from that? If he's talking about all this future, what in the world application could there be for us? Well, I'll tell you what the application for us is. The application for us is this, that we are a called out people. We are called to be different. We are called to be people who represent Christ, who represent God on this earth. There's a call to our lives that we strive to live a righteous life. God did not save you and turn you loose to your own will to do whatever you want. God saved you and He indwelt you and you will be sanctified or you will go home. You will be conformed into the image of Jesus Christ or you will go home prematurely. There's only two options for the believer. So we should strive to live righteously. Now, look at verse 3, because now there's a call to all the nations. From time to time, I'll get questions like this. Well, what about somebody over in way out in a a village tucked in the middle of Africa somewhere? How are they going to hear the gospel? Well, Romans chapter 1 teaches us this, that man, there's what we call the general revelation and the specific revelation. Man can look up at the heavens and he can see that there is a God. If you'll look into the heavens and say, creation says that there's a God, I believe there's a God, He will, God will send someone to Him with a specific revelation, that is the gospel. That's the gospel. And you say, Well, I don't understand that. Remember, God's ways are so much higher than our ways, God's thoughts are so much higher than our thoughts. It's not a a thing for him to take someone and have them to sell all their belongings, move halfway across the world to become a missionary to reach unreached people groups. They do it all the time. They do it all the time. And there is this call to the nations. We are so Americanized in our religion, and we follow these little uh, sects of religion, and we, we, we have all of our little name and, name and there and all that stuff, and we, we go through all of the denominational stuff, but we don't realize that God's church is bigger than that. It's much bigger than that. It's a call to all the nations: go and make disciples of all nations, not just a few, not just America, not just you know the real nice places like uh, Spain or somewhere that's you know the French Riviera. I feel like I'm called a missionary to the French Riviera or something like that. You know, Uh it's to the whole earth. And here now, God speaks and He tells Isaiah to record this. Look at verse 3. Do not let the son of the foreigner who has joined himself to the Lord speak, saying, the Lord has utterly separated me from His people. The foreigner there is Gentile. It's a Gentile. And God is saying, don't let the Gentile say that the one that's joined himself to the Lord, say, the Lord has utterly separated me from His people. It's a call to the Gentiles. And those whom God has called and his work His conviction has done, it's work in His heart, and they have joined themselves by faith. It's always been by faith. Some people preach that there are two Gospels. There's only one Gospel. The Apostle Paul was adamant about that. Well, what about the Old Testament people? The Old Testament people were saved by faith. Abraham was justified by faith. It doesn't just say it one time. It says it multiple times in the New Testament because God knew that we needed to hear that. It's always been by faith. It's not by faith and works. You, there are, you cannot add anything to it. You say, well, Jesus Christ hasn't even died. It doesn't change the fact, at the, in the Old Testament, when Jesus Christ hasn't died yet, it did not change the fact that it was still by faith. You go through Hebrews chapter 11, you read the hall of faith, the hall of fame of faith, and you will see it was by faith that all those great men and women did what they did, by faith. It's always been by faith. And uh, I would gladly discuss with anybody who says there's two ways of salvation or there was a faith plus works in the Old Testament before Jesus came onto the scene. I would gladly sit down and go through the scriptures. I will not argue what someone wrote in a book. I will only refer to what this book says. And this book says that Abraham was justified by faith. And so were you, and so was I. So it's a call to the nations. Now, he says, nor let the eunuch say, here I am a dry tree. Now, we're adults, so we have to have an adult conversation. A eunuch was a man who was no longer able to function as a man sexually, okay? Uh, Some were eunuchs born, the Bible teaches us, by that way. They were born that way. And some who served in the king's court were made that way so that the king never had to worry about his wife or his concubines. It was a cruel thing. And the, the horrible thing about it was they were not permitted in the temple because of their condition. Not to their fault. It was not their fault. And you think, well, that seems unfair. Well, God is saying, listen... Don't let the eunuch say that here I am a dry tree. Listen, verse 4. For thus says the Lord, the eunuchs who keep my Sabbaths and choose what pleases me and hold fast my covenant, <coughs> excuse me, even to them I will give in my house, in my house, within my walls a place, And a name better than that of sons and daughters, I will give them an everlasting name that shall not be cut off. See, there's a call to the outcasts. There's a song that I think the tally trio, the one girl in the tally trio sings, There Are No Orphans with God. What a song! (laughs) What a song! I mean, God's not in heaven saying, oh, man, there's a little guy there in South Point that I'm going to save because he's special. When I came to faith, I wasn't any more special than anyone else, and you weren't either. God loves everyone the same, even those who have become eunuchs who have been outcasts of society, those who were not welcome in the churches. There's a call for them to come and join themselves to Him. And if they do, they will have a name. They will have a place. They will have an everlasting covenant with God. Isn't that wonderful? I love that. Because He says to these people who think they're better than everyone else, The guys that you wouldn't even let come in to the temple is going to have a place in my house because they joined themselves to me. What a wonderful thought. Can you imagine worship in the kingdom? Can you imagine worship in heaven? I mean, I grew up in a Baptist church, and like the piano was sacred. Like the piano was only instrument is going to be in heaven. And when the piano if you study church history when the piano was interested the church or in, uh, introduced to the churches the church rejected it because it was a barroom instrument. Yet we see a scene in revelation of every kindred every tongue every tribe and every nation worshiping Jesus Christ. When I was in the army in basic training, and if you know anything about military, you don't always get to choose what church you got. Most of the time you got Protestant and non-Protestant. Right? So basically you have Catholic and everybody else. And I went to this one church because it was non-Protestant, and I was well outnumbered by my um, African-American brothers and sisters in Christ. I stuck out like a sore thumb in appearance, in uh, ability to sing, in ability to move. Need I say more? But it was one of the most refreshing things I'd ever been I hear you back there. It was one of the most refreshing church services I'd ever been in because I believe they were genuinely worshiping the Lord and their talents were being lifted up, and it was a massive auditorium, and it was something to behold. And, you know, we, we get in our little mold like, this is all that we can have in our church, you know. I had a guy tell me one time and it had to be a two, three beat and all this. I'm like, I don't even know what you're talking about. I'll never forget when we moved to the screen, and we no longer used the songbooks. I had, had a lady come to me. She don't go here anymore, and she came to me. She said, Pastor, I don't like that we doing away with the songbooks, and we don't we, we put it up on the screen and there are no music notes. And I said, well, I apologize. I didn't know you read music. She said, why don't? But um, listen, none of that matters. The only thing that's going to matter in the millennial kingdom is Christ. It doesn't matter what you like. It doesn't matter what I like. <laughs> His kingdom is what he likes. It's what he likes. There's a call to outcasts. We were sitting in the, the restaurant, my wife and my son and I, <coughs> and um, down in Wheelersburg at Tor Loco. And uh, we were looking out the window, and there was a young man who was obviously addicted. He was walking down the road. It was raining. And he was obviously tweaking and doing some things. and And my heart was broken for him. Because society says that he was an outcast. But you know, Jesus Christ can take him. He can lift him up out of the mud. He can place his feet on a rock and establish his going just like he did you and he did me. And sometimes the Christian church acts like the Jews us four and no more. They don't have a tie, and the oh, ladies are not wearing dresses, and, oh, and all this and all that we were at a Wendy's, I embarrass my wife, I don't mean to, it just happens, this girl had dyed her hair Kool-Aid red, and I'm looking at her, and I'm looking at the thing on Wendy's sign, and I'm looking at her, and I'm looking at Wendy, and my wife turns and walks, and she, as she goes, I said, you know, if you had a few more freckles, you'd look just like Wendy. She said, you know, I can see that, and she laughed, and we had a good laugh, and it was okay. And the uh, Amy said, "I can't believe you said that." I said, "Well, she wouldn't. She wouldn't have dyed her hair with Kool Aid if she didn't want somebody to notice it." But guys, listen to me. This is strong language here, and we, we don't get the fullness of this, the gravity of it. Had someone in this church tell me that they're their children and grandchildren changed from a different church they were going to one church and I said how's it going with their you know everybody they enjoying it it was up in a larger city no they left that church I said oh what happened you know I was thinking they said um that they didn't want the kids touching anything kids were had to be sit still and they couldn't do anything and they weren't allowed to touch anything and I know we got to take care of god's stuff but it's just stuff man it's just stuff i would rather have the kids the crying the How do they have all that? This is strong language here. God is saying, listen, you might in this life be an outcast, and you might in this life face injustice. But let me tell you, in his kingdom, you can't. And in the grand scheme of things, his kingdom is what matters. Not this place. Not this earth. It's funny, I I tell my kids, I I told my daughters, and they get it now. My son doesn't. I said, Son, listen, when you graduate, those friends that you think you can't live without, you probably hardly won't ever see them again. And they can't fathom that. And all the stuff that you went through in school, you know, trying to be popular and all that, it doesn't matter. The only thing that matters is Christ's kingdom. That's all that matters. These eunuchs were not permitted to participate in the temple service. God says, I'm going to tell you what. You're going to have a place in my house. You're going, have, you're going to have a name that's better than the sons and daughters. You're going to have an everlasting name that will not be cut off. Aren't you glad? We have a God that loves us so deeply. And He loves the outcasts. And He loves the Gentiles, us. Aren't you glad that He just doesn't like Israel and that's it? Verses 6-8, through eight, there's a call to worship. Notice what He says. Also, the sons of the foreigner who join themselves to the Lord to serve Him... Oftentimes we think that worship is just singing. That is worship, but that's not exclusively worship. When you serve the Lord, you are worshiping Him. You say, "Well, I don't like to do something uh, out in front of everybody." Listen, the person that cleans, and the person that fixes things, and the person that does things behind the scene, when they, if they're doing it genuinely for the Lord, that's worship. That's why it's important that everyone find a place to serve. There's the invitation. Listen to this. All also the sons of the foreigner who join themselves to the Lord to serve him and to love the name of the Lord to be his servants. Everyone who keeps from defiling the Sabbath and holds fast my covenant, even them I will bring to my holy mountain and make them joyful in my house of prayer. House of prayer. Doesn't that sound familiar? When, remember when Jesus confronted the money changers? You den of thieves? Don't. This is my house of prayer. Don't defile the house of prayer. He could have said the house of worship. He could have said the house of this, that, or the other. But he said the house of prayer. There's an invitation for Gentiles to worship. See, Gentiles were not allowed in the temple. They were not allowed to worship. The eunuchs were not allowed to worship. But he says, you come. You come, serve him. Love the name of the Lord to be his servants, love it I got to go to church i got to go down there and do this. nobody else will do it i won 't have to teach tonight so and so it's not showing up. No those who love his name and want to be his servants, I want to do for the Lord I want to do for the Lord. an invitation to the house. Of prayer. Their burnt offerings and their sacrifices will be accepted on my altar. Are you kidding me? The Jews are flipping out about right now. You're going to let the Gentiles and the eunuchs offer up sacrifices on our altars? Hello, it wasn't your altar. It's His altar. For my house shall be called a house, a prayer. Notice this. For a few nations? For one nation? For all nations. For all nations. The Lord God who gathers the outcasts of Israel says, Yet I will gather to Him others besides those who are gathered to Him. The Jews... I, I will get it in the end, okay? The Jews... The Jews, those who've come to faith in Christ, those Messianic Jews, those who believed in Jesus, when they're at that final scene in Revelation that we see with every kindred, tongue, tribe, and nation, they're going to be shocked. There's others here besides us. Isn't that the way we are sometimes? You know, there's other churches in Saudi County besides us. Yet sometimes we're so territorial, we act like we're the only ones in Saudi County. Or in the United States of America. Or in the numerous other nations. We're not. I love it. I love it. And I hope that the churches increase. I hope every church in Souther County that's a Bible-believing church that teaches the Bible, I don't care what name they got on there, if they teach the Bible, and they believe the Bible and they obey the Bible, I hope every church in the County grows exponentially. There's a call to worship. And finally, there's a warning to the spiritual leaders. You know, Jesus in the New Testament, when we come to the New Testament, Jesus is often encountered by the religious crowd, and they were the ones who were constantly, constantly questioning Him, constantly seeking to destroy Him, to discredit Him. It was the religious crowd. It wasn't, it wasn't sinners. Jesus was very specific in His going to people. Case in point, the woman at the well. He could have gone another way. could have gone the way that all the Jews went. But he said, I must needs go to Samaria. Why? He had a divine appointment. There was a lady there who needed to hear and meet Jesus. There's a warning to spiritual leaders. Look at verse 9. Now, you don't at first know what he's talking about when he calls them beasts. And all of you beasts of the field come to devour all you beasts in the forest. Note why. Look at verse 10. His watchmen are blind. Notice the condition of the spiritual leaders. His watchmen are blind. They are all ignorant. They are all dumb dogs. They cannot bark. Sleeping, lying down, loving to slumber, they're lazy. Yes, they're greedy dogs which never have enough. This is their character. They're greedy. They never have enough. Sow a seed into this ministry, and God will bless you tenfold. And they are shepherds who cannot understand. The question is, are they unregenerate? Are they lost? The Bible says the natural man cannot Receive the things of God. Could it be that some of them are unsaved? Perhaps. Look at their character, continuing in verse 11. They all look to their own way. For every one for his own gain from his own territory. His own name, his own image, his own gain, his own territory, his own way. This is more than a falling by the wayside or a temptation. This is a deliberate act. This is their character. They're deceivers. And God says, listen, look at verse 12. Come, one says, I will bring wine and we will fill ourselves with intoxicating drink. Tomorrow will be as today and much more abundant. This is this is their character and their condition. They're deceived and they're deceivers. Now, in this text, I'd like to have... Uh, real quickly, just six points real quick about this that I think will help you make an application to us. This text is about Jesus' kingdom is coming soon. You better be ready. You better be ready. You say, well, he promised them, listen, God doesn't count time like we count time. Some of you perhaps have already looked at your clock, your watch, or your phone since you've been in here to see how long we've been here. God doesn't count time like we count time. Jesus' kingdom is coming, whether you believe it or not. You better be ready. Israel, you're not the only one. The Gentiles are going to come. Those who join themselves to me. The eunuchs, the outcasts that have joined themselves to me. They're going to come. They're going to come. They're going to be a part of that kingdom. You're not the only one, Israel. Get ready. Number two, Jesus invites everyone to join themselves to him by faith. There is no other way. There is no plan B. It's always been by faith in Jesus Christ. There is no other way to get there. He invites those. The Bible teaches us that He is the propitiation for the sins of the whole world. Jesus' death is sufficient to save you, me, and every outcast out there. Number three, those who by faith join themselves to God we'll inherit the blessings of the kingdom. Those of us who have believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, by faith we've joined ourselves to Him by faith, we will inherit the blessings of the kingdom. You get this, man. The kingdom is not like anything we've ever experienced on this earth. It's not. It's not. Number four, Jesus' kingdom will be a kingdom of justice and righteousness. Sometimes we see the injustice going on in the world and we wonder where God is. We wonder what He's doing. May I say to you, when the church, the Spirit-filled church who is restraining all flat-out evil in this land, when we are pulled out at the rapture, it will be very, very evil right on this earth. It will be extremely evil. As a matter of fact, the only thing that's keeping everything from being full-fledged all evil is the Spirit-filled church. That's the only thing. You take our influence out, it's over. That's why many people are trying so adamantly who are opposed to Christianity to remove Christianity. They see us as a stumbling block to their agenda. And we are, because we're, the Spirit-filled church is restraining all evil. Number five, spiritual leaders are to encourage and lead people to the king. They're not to build their own empires. They're not to build their name. They're not to make it their own name. They're not to be deceiving people. They're not to become wealthy because of ministry. I'm telling you this they are to encourage people to come to the king. That's what they're called to do. And lastly, spiritual leaders must shepherd people to worship the King. Worship the King. Guys, listen to me. I'm telling you this. This is extremely important. If you name the name of Jesus Christ, you should worship Him daily. You should be worshiping Him. Not a form of religion, not a style of ministry, not people, not ministers. Jesus, Jesus, worship him, worship him, worship him. This is the message. The message is this. My salvation is about to come. And what a message that is. Aren't you glad that he welcomes Gentiles to join themselves to him. Aren't you glad? I hope so, because we're all Gentiles in this room. We are. You know, there are no outcasts with God. Whoever, whatever your history is, whatever you've done, you can believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and be saved. Amen. Let's pray first. Hold on, let's pray.